I was pretty vocal about wanting to be a police officer. The, uh, the first thing that got me wanting to be in policing was when I ended up having to call the police. And they stayed and talked to my sister and I for two hours almost. And just, I was super influenced. When they left, I asked, can y'all hit the sirens for me? Uh, and stuff like that. And the defining moment for me, honestly, as a kid was, they didn't forget to hit the siren at the end. And when those lights came on and that siren hit, that's what I was like, okay, I'm gonna be a cop. Growing up in Dallas, been a Dallas police officer. The way to reduce violent crime is through proactive policing and community policing on a day-to-day -day basis. Yes, the big events, the community events are great. We're gonna continue doing them, but it's the day-to-day -day interactions. Taking an extra five, 10 minutes to play basketball, to stop and talk to somebody, to ask somebody questions. So now that I'm an adult and got a little bit of money, I make sure to have Christmas in my house every year and make sure my family's together. The only thing I ever want for Christmas in my adult life is just to have my immediate family together. And I make sure that happens every year. You're listening to the ATO Bridging the Divide podcast. Brought to you by the Assist the Officer Foundation. Since 1999, the ATO has given assistance to the first responder community. And now we want to give them a platform to hear their incredible stories. We also want to hear the stories of the many people that support us. Our community is small, but it is strong. We have differences. We don't always agree. And we all make mistakes. But together we can grow. We can heal. And we can learn from those mistakes. And together we can bridge the divide. Welcome back, ATO friends. I'm Joe King, and today I'm with Kent Wolverton. This podcast has referenced God's Country, also known as the best division in the city of Dallas. We've also talked about the poverty, the crime, the gangs, the absolute despair for some of the people that live in that area, especially South Dallas. Some of the neighborhoods in South Dallas include Bonton, Dixon Circle, Dolphin Heights, Fraser Court, Mill City, Turner Courts, and the Park Road District. And within these neighborhoods have crimes and gang aplenty. During the great Mike Reiner episode, we discussed a book that talked about the history of this area. During the 1950s, there were house and church bombings, extreme racism and segregation. Even during the 1950s, the great Ray Charles lived at 2642 Eugene. There are generations of poverty, generations of crime. Violence becomes a normal for young kids watching their friends and family either be victims or suspects in this violence. Seeing narcotics or SWAT demolish houses that terrorize neighborhoods also becomes daily and weekly theater for the residents. There is a lot of mistrust in the police within these communities. 
it's a hard cycle to break and even harder for some to get out of that cycle. Not all people are given the opportunities that others may enjoy. Today's guest grew up in the 415 portion of Dallas. He went to the great James Madison High School. From 2009 to 2015, he started his dream of getting to law enforcement as a Dallas police explorer at Central Post 7980. He trained at South Central, worked gang unit enforcement, South Central CRT. His name is Brandon Dye. Brandon, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm glad I finally got you in here. We've been talking about it for weeks. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Before we uh, we get into this episode, I want to talk uh, introduce a special guest co-host. It's uh, it's really important for him to be here. Uh, Officer Holmes, tell us tell the listener a little bit bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, uh, Senior Corporal Jacob Holmes, uh, about year eight. Uh, Brandon Dye and I have been partners from the beginning. We uh, were classmates. I was a little bit older than him when he 12 started. Years. Yeah, twelve. Yeah, so uh, I was. <laughs> That's uh, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I was I was thirty one when I started the academy. So I was ten years teaching and coaching prior to starting the police academy. And when Dye started, he was nineteen. So yeah. I had just been teaching and coaching students. Uh, that age is that is that really even legal? I thought you had to be twenty one. No, wow, it's, it's the it's hey. the highlighted part at the yeah. bottom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It can be eighteen in the state of Texas as long as you have yep. uh, sixty college credits. Yeah. So he had to get hit when he hit the street. His T Cole uh, license was the thing that allowed him to buy bullets because he wasn't old enough. Yeah. His, now, his yeah. T Cole license had yeah. him looking to the side and drink. Barely can smoke if you want to smoke. When I was in the academy, actually. Um, the very first day we had on our DPD uniforms, mm-hmm. right after you take T-Cole, the first day, um, right before they dismissed, uh, our class coordinator came in, Tom Kelly, and he's like, hey, Doc, I need to talk to you. And he's like, I don't know what's going on, but uh, you're going to have to come in your dickies tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I've been working so hard for like the past six months. Um, and come in. So I broke down crying in the academy. And, uh, you know, I mean, you're thinking about like, you know, you work your tail off and that's like the big deal when like, you're not wearing those, you know, horrible, you know, blue dickies that you, you get the uniform. Yeah. yeah. So that was the day we got yeah, our uniform. And you, and you look like the, you're like a, no offense to the custodial custodians, yeah, yeah. but you know, but that you, that you basically look like a, yeah. like yeah. you're about to jump on the back of a, yep. you know, a garbage truck. Yeah. You know, when I went through, we didn't have those. So we had to wear, and I was dirt poor. We had to wear cheap like whatever dress clothes yeah so i had i was like i had to alternate ties i'd wear the oh, same yeah. shit every day because i was too poor to buy <laughs> you know jc penny you know slacks and and st john bay uh dress shirts so i just kind of alternated the tide hope nobody hope nobody would notice joe also had to walk uphill both ways yeah. barefoot in the snow to yeah get the yeah it was, it was five miles i, I did yeah, drive all old. the way i did drive all the way from cash texas which is way out in between greenville and terrell y'all you know, it I drove. That's where I lived during the academy. So it was folk. it was an hour and a half drive every one way. So yeah. So finish. What happened? So the next day, this was at the end of the day. So I'll go home. It took me at least like I was sitting in the car just crying. Um, everybody like it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. And the next day, I came in Dickies, <laughs> um, and my entire class was in DPD uniform, <sighs> and I was a squad leader. Um, yeah. And the first question I heard was like, "Who's gonna replace him?" Um, and then later that day, probably after lunch, I'm pretty sure it was after lunch, we were in the computer lab, he comes to get me. He was like, you know what? Uh, they made a mistake. Um, because you have 60 college credits, they will, they waived it. 
and they didn't send it down to Austin mm-hmm. um, for the um, for that waiver. So I was back in uniform the next day. And it's on like the recruiting like thing. If you can be 19, you have to have 60 credits instead of you know uh, 21 and 45 credits or whatever it is. So there, there's an exception to it with DPD, but they just they just forgot about it. I think because it's so rare, it doesn't really happen. It's so. a big deal to get in uniform. No, it's a prideful oh, yeah. thing. Absolutely. You work your ass off yeah. to oh, that yeah. point, and you see all your class. I can't imagine yeah, how that yeah. felt. I mean, especially I've taken 15 tests. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> hey, DPD final, I always say test. Yeah, yeah. those tests are no yeah. joke. I'm telling yeah. you. Yep. Well, the thing was, too, is we were all excited because, you know, when we first started, you know, like I said, I'm 31. I was teaching and, and, uh, and you know, Dye says, I'm going to address the elephant in the room with that, you know, like deep black guy, cool voice. And I'm like, you know, the nerdy white guy, old teacher. And uh, he goes, he was like, um, you know, he's standing up. He goes, I'm 19 years old. And then as we're kind of, I'm watching through the, you know, the first week and it's like one chief after the other a chief or major walking in and they're walking in and shaking him so it's chief brown at the time was the chief chief so i was like is this chief brown's son that's like in my mind <laughs> like that's what i'm trying to figure like how does everybody know him well then you know comes to find out you know he was an explorer since he was 13 so everybody knew him knew everything about him and so it came to pass we had a lot of people in the 30s we had a lot of people that were military in our class mm-hmm. and and his here we are a 19 year old they were having him get up and teach us stuff because he done so many rideouts, I'm like, dude, hey man, can I be your friend? Like, I want to pass. <laughs> I had a, a wife and a kid. Like, I got to pay my bills. Like, so I well, literally after so, he gets us in trouble and we have to run or something. Well, yeah, I did, <laughs> I did do that because I like because I wanted to work yeah. out. You know, Ra- so. Randy was that was my Randy in the class to get everybody in trouble. We have to run or yeah, yeah I do jumping jacks with puke. Yeah. So I heard, Holmes, I, I hear about your amazing basketball skills. Yeah. So uh, t- yeah. T- let's talk about that a little bit. Well, I had the opportunity um, to. Uh, I was about five foot six my freshman year, so I was a you know a huge guy in high school. I, I was first, too, and I stayed that way. Yeah, so yeah. Go so, ahead. <laughs> so I was, a, I was a point guard, so I kept on growing just a few inches. So uh, in a small town, it's an opportunity to play uh, college basketball. I went to uh, a couple of schools. Went to Texas Wesleyan, played there for a little bit, and then went to finish up at Southwestern Assemblies um, in Waxahachie Division One NAI school. Real good uh, basketball program, good school, uh, and that led to just uh, coaching jobs. Um, so I was that's what. I was an athletic director, a couple of different private schools, uh, started coaching. I uh, always wanted to do military law enforcement, uh, but when I was about 23. I met this really pretty woman and uh, basically uh, locked her in, got married, had a good career already, so started having kids. And at that point, I, just, I, I decided, you know what, it's time for us to move forward. But basketball has always been a part of my life until I just blew out my knee recently. So yeah, I'm probably that, done with that. Yeah. So – how did she feel about you wanting to get into going from teaching, which is a, you know, for the most part, controlled, mm-hmm. safe environment to yep. come out and work in Dallas, Texas? Well, you know, I told her that uh, as I, when we first met, I said, someday I want to go to either military or law enforcement. So we got to the point, you know, and I said, hey, look, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's, what's, it's, what's your, it's your choice. And she's like, I don't want to have to move around. So if you want to go uh, law enforcement, you know, that's fair. The other thing is people think like people say to me all the time, why would you ever leave, you know, coaching and, and I'll be straightforward with you. Uh, that is a hard job. That yeah. is you. There's a lot of extra hours. It ain't just no it's nine not to like, five and you go no, home and shit. No, 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 like it. the coaching stipend makes it completely worth it. Yeah. Right? yeah. See, the thing is, the thing is that people don't realize is like when you are out late and you come home and all these, uh, you know, waiting for your parents to get here, waiting for your parents to get here and you're there for a couple of hours, there is no overtime. 
Like, you know, there's, it doesn't work like we're here. We all know we have like our, our perfect scale. We know that scale down that if we're, we're, we're getting overtime, we're getting paid for it. So that is definitely a big difference. Um, but you know, I do miss it. Love coaching, but I also give me an opportunity to coach my kids. So. Brandon, I want to get, I want to get into, uh, growing up in South Dallas. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, we've had several guests on here, myself included. I spent uh, nearly 20 years out there, and I gravitated toward the South Dallas area. That's the uh, – it was one of the hottest areas and uh, the most crime-ridden and, uh, you know, most poverty-ridden area. But we've never had anybody here. I grew up on the West, uh, West Oak Cliff. I was over there. In what in the sunset Sunset yeah. area in mm-hmm. Atwell, Griner, and all that, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've never had anybody by the mic, and – that's actually grown up in that area and become a Dallas police officer. Can you kind of describe what that area was growing up to you? Um, I'll talk about it geographically first mm-hmm. um, because a lot of officers call um, Southeast, South Dallas, and depending on who you're talking to, that's the type of South Dallas you're talking about. Um, so specifically, the Southeast Division um, in South Dallas is split up by the train tracks. Um, so South Dallas would be considered the east side of the train tracks, and East Dallas would be considered, um, I guess, the um, the other side of the train tracks. So specifically, and then if you're talking more to the Hispanic community, the East Dallas would be East Grand area. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the golf course, right over there. Right, yeah. right. If so, if you're talking to generally a black person, uh, East Dallas is um, just east of the train tracks and which is just a south dallas east it's truly north of the train tracks right the way the <laughs> the way everything works over right. there we, we call it east because of the way the streets run but right looking at a map it's actually north and right. that's the wildest thing that i remember about south dallas was everything was so, tilted on a different so, axis yeah so more specifically um if you're talking about hoods and stuff like that um i grew up in a 415 area forever one of the five stars mm-hmm. um um, Lego and Metropolitan to be more specific and beat 311 um, if I'm talking to Dallas police officers yes there's a lot of crime growing up it was I don't know if it was because well I know it's because of my mom I wouldn't say I lived a sheltered lifestyle she just didn't play I mean she I can I mean, attest to that yeah. so yeah, yeah she I call her mama too and, and she, she she don't play she we would we would hear about crime and stuff, but we were never directly involved. Obviously, I mean, family members were gang members, and um, most of my family members um, would claim either Park Row 187, Park Row, or Trey 57 Dixon. Yeah, they were OGs and Crips, and we lived in a blood area. Yeah, yeah, that's still blood area. Yeah, so you can imagine the problems they had growing up. But we never she. My mom always wanted to be a police officer, too. Mm -hmm. She did 31 years in security, and she retired. But they knew not to bring it to her house. So So. can I I tell this one quick story about Di's mom? And this is is a great story because this the kind of person she is. Uh, She's just a strong, amazing woman that, you know, uh, raised her kids. And uh, I remember, so I'd gotten to know her pretty well because, like I said, Di and I worked together, you know, several years, our whole career. So we're – I was behind Die. I was with another officer. He was by himself the night. He um, makes a turn, and a drunk driver T-bones him. Just uh, it was a female. She had, she was drunk. She was high, and I see it. You know, 
right in front of me. So I'm like, you know, put out the radio. Hey, I need uh, an ambulance here right away. We get out and airbags deployed on him. I'm, you know, this is like my little brother. So I'm kind of like, oh man, we got to, you okay? And he's kind of trying to figure out. So we get him, get the ambulance there. We get him out and he's, and he's fine. You know, it's just uh, the car did its job at protecting him. Um, but I was like, hey man, uh, I'm going to call your mom, let her know. So I just call her. I'm like, uh, hello, ma'am. I just want to let you know this is, uh, you know, this is Jacob. Um, and, uh, hey, uh, Brandon was in an accident. And uh, she said, what? You know, she's like, what do you mean? I said, no, he, he's fine. I'm trying to let you know he is totally fine. She goes, don't you lie to me about my baby. I said, <laughs> I said, yes. I said, yes, ma'am. I would not lie to you. I'm scared of you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to add to that story, yeah. she was yeah. listening to music. They yeah. always do hanging out. Yeah, she's just hanging out, having fun. Turn so. the music down. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is true. Um, she just said, turn that music down. You know. Yeah. But I remember I, th- I said, "Ma'am, I would never lie to you. I'm scared of you. Like, there's not very many people that I, I'm scared of. My mom, scared of my wife. I'm scared of and dad's mom. That's about it." <laughs> so, so she was probably most influential in your life growing up, right? And being raised, right? Most definitely. There was a significant event that occurred. Or, I mean, that influenced me. I mean, my goal I said all the time is to take care of her, make sure she has everything she needs. In the fourth grade, I think it, it was. Christmas Eve, she was married. Her ex-husband was, he was supposed, I think he was supposed to get off at 11, 10 or 11 o'clock, and they were supposed to meet at the club on Christmas Eve. He didn't show up. Uh, Christmas morning, we wake up, because uh, we were already uh, at, a, at the house sleep, and he didn't show up, and she's Christmas morning running around, where's he at, where's he at? I'm not going to say his name. He doesn't deserve the respect from me. She's trying to find out where he at while we're trying to open toys. Backing up to Christmas Eve, her car got broken into, or she thought her car got broken into. Some things were missing. I know specifically my mom already. She's always carrying. She's always packing. Her gun was missing and some other things. And so Christmas Day, running around trying to find out where he is, and we're trying to open toys. Come to find out, he just disappeared. Uh, look in the closet. All his clothes are gone. All his personal belongings are gone. And I can I know that destroyed her. Uh, two car notes, rent, a bunch of credit card bills. We would be driving, and she would just start crying. Uh, you know, whenever uh, Di, when I were, we said we were coming up, we're working together, we're getting to know each other really well, he starts telling me uh, that story specific. And I remember, um, you know, talking to him, and thinking and that's one of the things how we connected so much uh because uh I, I remember on christmas day my uh my father my biological father waking up and him abusing uh, uh my mom and seeing it and we just absolutely um it just kind of and ever since then it never worked out so we had that connection uh just kind of seeing some going through some of that stuff together right so, and so one of the common themes that we find on this podcast and talking with exceptional people is that they have something like that that happens in their life, yep. and that becomes the driving force for them. It blows my mind. Like I, I grew up really well. Like my family is fantastic. You know, yeah. I, I didn't suffer any of the, that stuff. So to watch people go through, yeah, through hard times, especially young like that, mm-hmm. and then to come out as amazing people, it it's it's really inspiring. Yeah, because you see tragedy turn into something positive absolutely and and it takes a, a really strong person to to pull that off i mean you look yeah. look around the world and you see tragedy over and over again and, and certain people crumble behind it 
and certain people thrive. Absolutely. Well, you can also pinpoint a defining moment in somebody's life that that puts them on a path to be great. Yep. Right. And I and I believe that's that's what sets you on a path early on. Mm-hmm. Growing up in that area is, is one thing, and um, and I don't blame you. No, his name is not worth mentioning on the on this. Um, I'm glad you were there for your mother, and you're still that you know you. It puts you on a, it puts you on a path to who you are today and who you are still you're still evolving you're still a young man. Oh, yeah. So but, yeah, so the thing is about it that he's not going to talk about it and brag himself because that's his personality. But he also has taken care of his family. He has Christmas parties, takes care of his mom. He does things for his whole family and has changed the whole aspect of his family. And yeah, go ahead. To add to that, um, so Christmas was going forward was pretty. I got to the point where I didn't expect anything i knew how tough it was year in year out for her and she would always have something whether it's a gift card to target or some new shoes or something she would make sure it was something so now um that i'm an adult and got a little bit of money uh i make sure to have christmas at my house every year yeah and make sure my family's together as a result of um especially as i think we would still be doing it even if that didn't happen, but um, especially as a result of that, to make the only thing I ever want for Christmas in my adult life is just to have my immediate family together, yeah. and I make sure that happens every year. So I would say that moment is what making sure that I took care of my mom, um, making sure I didn't get in trouble in school. Uh, I wanted just to make it so much easier for her. Um, because I know she was struggling, and she she never she never complained. Uh, she went and got um, her divorce paperwork done by herself. But those moments, just sitting in the car, I think it may be a certain song that triggered something, or um, but she would just start crying, and that tore me up inside. Sitting in the back seat, or sitting in the front. me and my twin sister, we argue over who was sitting in the front or back at the times, and just sitting and watching her cry. Um, well, I I could say that it sounds like. There is one thing that that you took from him is how not to be a man. Absolutely, yeah. Right. So, that yeah. that you he's the he's yeah. the, what you would grow up not wanting to be like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. As you, I remember Di telling me one time that you know, or actually, some suspect was yelling at me. Um, he's calling me racist or something. I just remember what it was, and uh, and Di and I had gotten to know each other so much. You know, he knows he knows my wife, my kids. Like they call him Brandon. They excited to be you know around him, and. Uh, uh, I'm going to share this. This is kind of personal, but I'm going to share this. Like I have, uh, my, my little girls, like, and I think that they like die so much and this is going to sound kind of bad, but like, you know, they, they go pick little, they have black baby dolls. Oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm like, so that once, so one time someone asked me, they're like, why, why, uh, why did they pick that? I was like, they probably really think this really good looking black man is the man they're going <laughs> to yeah. marry someday. So that's probably why they uh, do that. Right. So, so that, that's how close we are like with our families, uh, with him and, and my family. And, uh, I remember him yelling at that person, uh, tell him, uh, you know, this this guy takes care of his wife, his kids. Don't talk to him like that. Show him respect. And the guy was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, dang. Like, dang. You know, like. Uh, Brandon, I want to describe to the listener, I, I mentioned a little bit in the intro that violence, 
family members, friends being arrested and taken away in handcuffs was in some cases theater out there in uh, in the southeast area. And you would see literally you have crime scene tape up with with bodies and blood on the streets and sidewalks and in houses. And you would have you would see f- complete families with right. kids f- four and five right. years old out there watching. Um, and a lot of people, I, I mean, I know that it, I wouldn't. There's no way I'd let my daughter. I, Karma would not be standing there with me at a damn yellow police tape right. watching uh, watching something like that. Did you ever see something similar to that out there uh, growing up? Or I mean, your, your mom probably wouldn't let you near that. But but did you see? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, sure do. Um, as a fact, uh, as a matter of fact, um, probably about twelve thirty this morning, my mom called me and was like, "I don't know what's going on, but it's a bunch of police cars running up and down the street." So uh, that goes to the saying, and it's true. It will always be true. The streets talk. Yeah, and word sp- spreads very fast, very very fast, um, and that hasn't changed um, as far as when something happens. When it's like that's um that unique police car door slam uh, uh the the hood knows it too so when they hear it um peeping out them windows mm-hmm. um to see what's going on um and yeah it's just part of the everybody goes and see what's happening and i can tell you hours days before we the police know what's going on the streets already know um, and we know whose family's involved, and and honestly, that's part of what led me to the gang unit, um, because the old saying about the gang unit was they're the bloodhounds, and they know exactly they they're the heartbeat, and they know exactly what's going on when it's going on because of the connection they have with the community. Well, you. E- you mentioned and your mom would would not have let this happen, but were you ever influenced by some of your peers and friends to try to get in that lifestyle? No. Or did they ever try to to get you to go down that route? Um, no, uh, because I was pretty vocal about wanting to be a police officer early on. Uh, huh? Well, yeah. what, huh? Um, the uh, the first thing that got me wanting to be in policing was my oldest sister was involved in a domestic violence situation. I ended up having to call the police. And I don't remember the male officer's name, but I know Detective uh, Jacqueline McLeod. I believe she's still in the department. Yeah, I know her. Um, she showed up, and she stayed. they stayed and talked to my sister and I for two hours almost. And just I was super influenced from the way they pulled up, um, got out the car, and... When they left, I asked, "Can y'all hit the sirens for me uh, and stuff like that?" And so, just highlight on what that means for like community policing. That like how how that officer literally um, impacted you know Brandon here, and then just by taking the time to talk to a kid, they're there for an incident, but to take the time to toss them, and then here you have all these years later an officer now who's been on CRT, been on gang, uh, one cop of the year for cops cop, just because that influence that, that, that officer. And I think it's important to highlight that every, that yes, we do our job, but you take the time to speak to kids and speak into their lives. You have no clue what's going to happen these years. Well, Cause the they're, they're the future of that area. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and, yeah. and for a young officer, like, yeah. So like that's a great Brandon shout here. out to that officer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, 
what struck you most what, about about that experience? I mean, just the professionalism, the are they just the pure genuine kindness or all of it? I, mean, what, I think it's all you? of it. Yeah. And the the finding moment for me, honestly, as a kid was they didn't forget to hit the siren at the end because yeah. that's the, cool. the, that, that's awesome. that tone came out and they, they was like, oh, we got to go. Um, mm. And I don't know if it was they're about to run code three. Now knowing it's about to run code three somewhere or they didn't forget to um, hit the siren for me when they left. And for me, that was like, that's it. I'm about to become a police officer. <laughs> yeah. So How I think cool all that, of it yeah. together, but the very end when those lights came on, and that siren hit, that's what I was like, okay, I'm going to be a cop. Do you continue to pay that forward now as, as an officer to young kids? Oh, yeah, Good. always. Um, it's important. We say all the time. Um, it was a point in time where we would start on Halloween, we would take a 50, which is our lunch break, and just pass out candy. Mm. Um, or I always carry stickers. I work off duty at North Park Mall, and every kid that comes and speaks to me, I give them a sticker. Good. And – one of my biggest pet peeves as an officer is um, here it comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the parents, uh, the parents saying, "Hey, yes, um, that officer's gonna go. You better be good." I mean, it's not my job to discipline your child. Yeah. Um, well, what, but well, he's not saying he also he also will uh, every time he does that he goes and buys them something yeah. <laughs> every time in the store, <laughs> and, and then the parents are like, "Oh, thank you," but yeah, so it's always shit with North Park prizes, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, 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 we're talking it's, about convenience. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It, well, it's like, funny the the difference between parents honestly because some be like hey officer thank you for your service uh, he's here to protect us then others is like you better be good yeah and i think that translates into the apartment complexes too because mm-hmm. we'd be driving i remember i was in prince hall uh, 4880 sunnyville mm-hmm. and drove in on one side of the apartment complex i had a group of kids waving at me <laughs> And then drove to the other side, and a group of kids, small kids, uh, pointed the middle finger at me. So it just it's it's very interesting. But we always make it a point to talk to the kids, um, yeah, because they're going to grow up. They're going like to grow the other, up, you know. And and the other ones that were pointing the finger at, it, mm-hmm. you know, flipping off may it may be a different story, and mm-hmm. their interactions may have been different, right? You know, and if, and if you have five kids, young kids standing there. And if your message resonates with just one of them, is worth it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how how aware were you of South Dallas and the culture down there when you were young? Like, what what was your experience growing up? Did you did you see it as this is just normal? This is where I live, and this is this is my house. Right. Or and how does that relate to how you you see it now? Because as police officers, we don't really see the the good parts of society. You know. Right. Most of us work third watch at Southeast, which is running and gunning, and, and you're doing a lot of, of police work dealing with the criminal element, and you don't really get to interact with the good people in South Dallas. Exactly. Uh, that's why I make it a point to go out to the academy and talk to recruits because the majority of people in South Dallas, Oak Cliff, Pleasant Grove, the bad areas of Dallas um, as far as crime goes um, are good, hardworking people. Right, and we only see that small percentage because we're going call to calls or we're doing the traffic stops of the bad guys and stuff like that. So I make sure, a point to say, hey, look, everybody, majority of people over here work for everything that they have. Most choose to stay here because of the culture, and they don't know any different. So I always take it, a, make it a point to go to schools and say, there's more to life than South Dallas, though. 
Yeah, we just recently went yeah. to uh, Madison, uh, yeah. where Di went. It's so. the great James Madison. I'm sorry. <laughs> great. Sorry, sorry. sorry. Yeah. But I don't think the sign says it, but I'll trust you. <laughs> yeah, they changed it after 2013. Um, but, yeah, um, always the majority of – so growing up, I saw it, but we, we were obviously never involved. Um, and as middle school, I would say middle school was the where I saw people I went to elementary school would get involved in gangs and start having blue rags and because I went to Billy O'Day, the old one, um, the small one. And uh, Park Row was a big thing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was on Park Row, 2807 Park Row, as Billy Day Middle School, the old one. So when he talks about Day, I just, I'm sorry, I know we, I just, I get to tell this fun, real quick funny story. We're in the academy, and we go to, you know, when they take you to, like, uh, one of the old schools, and they do, like, whatever the scenarios, RBT. So we go to Dade uh, uh, Middle School, the old one, because it's, it's, uh, it's still the building, and, like, Dye is just wrecking it. Every scenario, he knows exactly where to go, all this stuff. And finally, one of the RBT guys was like, he's like, how did you know this room had a closet? He's like, because I went to middle school here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. That's, That's great. Awesome. Yeah. So I want to get into the Explorer program. Uh, that's I think that is extremely important uh, in youth, right? And, and clearly it affected you. And there are a lot of other – there are a lot of other Dallas officers that started off in the Explorer program and – Whenever you first heard about it, and you you knew early on from that experience with uh, the detectives and the officers out there, and they hit the siren, it meant that meant to you 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 knew you wanted to get in law enforcement. But once the Explorer program, you found out about it. Can you talk about that? What it is, and, and how you found out about it? Yeah. Um, I was riding my bike to the store at Spring and Lego, and uh, saw a police crown Vic, and. The show Dallas SWAT was a um, – I saw every episode at the time. And the only – at the time, I believe, the only female on SWAT was uh, Misty Van Kieran. And she was standing right there at Spring and Lego uh, outside of her uh, Crown Vic. And um, I stopped and talked to her. I actually called her by her name. I said, hey, Misty. That's the great Misty Van Kieran. Yeah, the great yeah. Misty Van Kieren. The great. Um, and – she kind of, I figured she knew I knew her name because of the show, maybe. Um, but she turned around, and we talked, and she's like, I'm actually waiting on a guy. He's a sniper. I don't remember his name. Um, but he came, and they were talking to me, and she's like, I think you're uh, a little bit too young for the Explorers. Uh, but um, they were those little, um, I think he said, ugly blue uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> um, Similar to what y'all wore in the Academy. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely check out that program. And he reached in a trunk, and he gave me this um, old SWAT baseball cap. I still have it. It's at my mom's house. That's cool. Um, and so I run home, or I ride my bike home, and uh, I look up the Explorer program. And uh, Lieutenant Sally Lanham, um, I want to say I was maybe in middle school at the time when this happened. But I emailed Lieutenant Lanham, and uh, she was like, yeah, you're too young. Um, you can come um, pretty much a month before your 14th birthday. So I held on to that. In June, when I was 13 of 2009, I went to my very first Explorer meeting um, at Central, which was led by um, Amy Brewer and uh, Steve Myers. Those were my first two Explorer advisors. 
Um, so, are you in contact with Steve still? Yeah, I know where he's at, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I really think I, I'm that that story brings a smile to my face because I, I you know, because it it's so easy just seeing Misty out there on the street, and I know Misty as a person, and and uh, she and she was she's very excited. She because of work could not be here today, but but she was real excited that you're going to come on and. Uh-huh. Seeing in that old Dallas SWAT show, uh, you know the great Steve Claggett. He uh, he he doesn't like talking about that show, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's nice to hear that shows like that inspired peop, young people yeah. back then. And and I can't tell you how many people have reached out to me saying, "God, I watched Dallas SWAT and and they listen yeah. to Claggett's episode." And Claggett's actually going to be here next week. He's going to be here next Thursday recording. Yep. Uh, we're doing another episode and. Yes. Yeah, so if you swing by, come by and meet him, and yeah, but it's just don't talk about SWAT. Sure. No, I'm <laughs> but it's really, it's really inspiring to me that 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 show and the Explorer program that you actually gravitated to it because there are several people in your community that would it would repel, right? Right. So, if you get to meet Steve too, he's still just a mountain of a man oh he's still he's still and, and beautiful hair oh yeah yeah he's <laughs> well, him and dotty are like yeah. the ken and barbie of uh dpd oh, back yeah. then yeah they're he's he's a great guy i'm excited i'm excited to get him get him back behind the mic so you wore that that weird blue uniform with the explorer deal did yeah. your uh did your buddies in the in the neighborhood make fun of you for that no um i actually got respect for it um, nice. really I'm good. Yeah. um because just like with everything on the police department you have to earn it at the time, the Explorer program, um, you have to earn everything you got. And it took about six months to earn that uniform. So I want to explain what the Explorer program is Please. a little bit. Yep. It's designed for teenagers 14 to 20 who have an interest in law enforcement. I mean, and we give insight. I'm an Explorer advisor now. So what we do at the meetings, weekly meetings, we meet. Twice a week. This is my ad for the Explorers, by yeah. the way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, twice a week at headquarters, Mondays and Thursdays from 6 to 8. We're going to work out. That's not changing. I'll make sure to tell the kids yeah, yeah. That, that's not changing. You got to earn it. Uh, first 30 minutes, we're going to work out. But then we'll go over different scenarios, and we teach them how we respond to robberies or burglaries or uh, pretty much any call we can encounter. And generally, we can take they take all of that and they can go to competitions just like a sports team and compete against other explorer posts throughout the nation. And the very the biggest thing for the explorer program for me and still now is just the life skills you learn, structure, structure, yeah. discipline, professionalism. And the thing teaching is, the, so saying so a lot of your, your students and and I've helped out with you a lot is some of them want to be uh, criminal attorneys, right? So that someone want to be in the FBI, you know, um, that they, so they're all learning like valuable assets right. to help them in their in their career path of choice that what they're looking for. Um, so it's a great great program. It, it's not just so. about just learning to handcuff or clear yeah. a room, pie no, in a room when no. you're going to clear it. It's about it is yeah. like you said, structure and Absolutely. life skills. Right. And it's like being on. I, I I tell him this all the time. It's like being on a sports team. You know, I coached for ten years, mm-hmm. and um and and it's a team. They're on a team. They get to compete. Um, one thing he's not going to tell y'all, but y'all are sitting next to the Explorer of the Year for the entire state of Texas whenever he was in the program. And, Rookie but, Explorer of the Year. Too. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see you had to throw that one in there too. Yeah, but see, but see, I'm telling you, it, it gives opportunity, like you said, structure, and you're on a team, and you know, to see those kids uh, take pride in it. That's the thing. You give, you, know, you give them something to take pride in. And they'll work I, hard. I can see how serious they are, and I know there are plenty, plenty, I you know, uh, school districts around in, in the area that have law enforcement programs, and I encourage. I, I, I encourage all ISDs to have that because it not only gives people, a kids, young kids, an insight into the police world, but it also shows them structure and life right. skills. And if they ever want yeah. to join. Uh, even if they don't want to be police officers. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I was an explorer, we had about 20. And you create lifelong friends. And mm. a lot of those guys, I know Javier, he has a. A restaurant now he's a chef and uh, christian he's in real estate and sells insurance and things like that and even if you don't become a cop you still have things that make you a productive citizen of yeah. the city and outside of that we take trips when i was an explorer we went to topeka kansas three years in a row for a competition we were there for almost a week and we did other things too rock climbing the road trip itself is just fun uh, being in a hotel playing pranks, uh, us we had a rivalry rivalry with uh, Topeka PD, and for my it was probably the best 16th birthday somebody could have because we were in we were, I was in Topeka Kansas for my 16th birthday at the Explorer competition, and the rivalry with Topeka Explorers and Aurora Colorado Explorers, we put honk if you're horny. Yeah. on the back yeah. of their uh, van. I write that. I write that on my car every day. Uh, <laughs> then we pretty much they were at Chili's, and we was pretty much staking out, waiting for them to leave. So we went behind them, and we just started beeping the horn. <laughs> so went to Hooters for my 16th birthday. Wow, <laughs> might get some people in trouble. Statue of limitations. Statue of limitations. Been a few years. Mom's weird. What? Um, and they literally broke into our van. Oh no, no! They put um, butter um, on all our door handles and stuff like that. So we're literally driving. You hope Topeka. it's butter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah for real. They're driving around Topeka, uh, playing pranks on each other. Those old Ford vans, all the keys work to the same ones. So, <laughs> oh, God. That's so it's not a BMV. It's not a BMV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, be careful what you're. Uh, there's another insider tip there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so take the rifle their um mold rifles out of the van and it's the war ceremony time mm. and we they knew we didn't have long guns <laughs> so when we get caught up for awards we have their rifle uh, <laughs> mold, rifle molds and he's like how did y'all get those it's like yeah, your van was unlocked yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? But, so it's a good time it's just a trip in itself it's just um teenagers having fun and like, Amy got mad at us one time. It was freezing cold. We were in Waxahachie. We had the idea to go jump in a pool. And she was asleep. And, <laughs> and then she was like, y'all did what? So it was very fun. Just the trips itself and just the life skills you learn and the friendships you make. So even if you don't want to be a police officer, the Explorer program is still great to be a part of. And to me, I equate it to, like, you know, say if you want to go play basketball, you know, or, like, in college, only – you know, one of us from my team played college. That was me. But everybody that played basketball together, and like in high school, we all learned like team building and life skills and doing yep. the same stuff. So it's a great opportunity for for students to be a part of something that's better or bigger than themselves. Well, so. I think you are living proof of of that right there because here you are, academy classmates. Yep. And yep. still, that continues. 
Yep. Right. Yep. <clears throat> How does somebody get involved with the Explorers if they're interested for the listeners? We have a youth outreach program now. Um, so you could contact uh, Evelyn Rosado or Nathan Martinez, and they're the Explorer Program Advisors. Um, or you can just show up to any one of the seven substations or headquarters and ask about for information. They all should have uh, pamphlets on con- with contact information. And I'll, I'll co-sign on this real quick. I've known you for about an hour now. Um, I would let you instruct my kids. I mean, you yes. want to talk about yes, how, how professionalism was there? Yes. Like, Joe and I, we're pretty immature for our age. <laughs> um, yeah. For any age, of that matter. Yeah. <laughs> and you've been nothing but professional so far. I'm, I'm very impressed. So, yeah, absolutely. If, you're, if your kids are looking to do anything, uh, get them in touch with Brandon Dye. Yeah, and and if any of the listeners they uh, they want to hell, I'll, I'll get them in contact. Also, if they want to reach out, atlbridgen at gmail. Reach out yep. to me. I will get you in contact with the uh, with the uh, with great Rosado and, mm-hmm. and the Explorer program because I think it is it is a super beneficial in in so many ways and everything. Just Brandon and and, uh, and Holmes just this mentioned. Yep. So I want to get into the the academy. You finally got into the uniform. Mm-hmm. And y'all got out on the streets. I want. I want you. You. You talked about it off air. Where did Holmes did? Where did you want to go? Whenever you graduate, what did you put down? Where did you want when you graduate? What part of town do you want to go to? I wanted to go to South Central, um, which is Oak Cliff, South Oak Cliff. Why is that? Um, because of uh, my mentor Stephen Pappas. Oh, he's um, great. Oh, he's yeah. fantastic. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's he, a great. He, trainer. Um, he trained both of us. He's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. need so, to have him on too. Yeah. <laughs> To do this, to be fair, yes. I invited him. He uh-huh. ain't here. Oh <laughs> man, so, yeah, right. he stood me up. He's also yeah. he's also very uh, he's very humble in the sense of if you look every all so many rookies he trained are they go wherever they want. I'll get Foy. Learn. I'll get Foy. That's and right. I know Foy's gonna listen. Foy will give him a direct order. To come That's out right. here. <laughs> he's over all that. Yeah. yeah, he'll be here. We'll get him but, here. <laughs> real quick, I want to talk about Pappas mm-hmm. because uh, you asked me. I'm a, I believe I'm a product of the village. I have some defining moments like the Christmas Day um, when I was a kid, but the Explore program was my village, and I had Big Brothers Big Sisters program. My mom signed us up for that, and I specifically wanted a police officer. My sister got her big sister within like a month, and I said, I want a Dallas police officer. I will wait until you give me a Dallas police officer. And... Uh, it took about a year, almost. Like right when I was joining the Explorer program, I was like, "Yep, we found you one." His name is Stephen Pappas, and we'll meet. He'll meet you next week. So, I was 13 at the time, and Pappas is from Michigan. He said he was a big brother, and he was involved in a program in Michigan, and he wanted to do it. So, when he came down here to Dallas, I believe he had joined the uh, he joined the department in 2007. And he had been on maybe two or three years at the time. Well, it would have to be two years. And, yeah, ever since. He's been a, a big part of not just the officer I am, but the man I am, too. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Because just going with him weekly and seeing him. And then the fun part was when I turned 16, I was able to do ride-alongs. Mm. And we racked in with Pappas and Oak Cliff probably about, over a thousand hours of ride-alongs. I actually got yeah. him a certificate of merit. Yeah, because okay. <laughs> one of the things in general orders, if you do two hundred two hundred hours of explore explore ride-alongs, you get a certificate of merit. So 
So we did the math. On training, you you get you know you're on train for six months. You have your your uh, different trainers. Die did more time in the car with Pappas than you get on training. So when he started the academy, when I say that when I say that every one of us was asking him like he knew everything already. Like he ruined wow. all the scenarios, hey. all the RBT. Everybody else would do it wrong. He would do it right, and they're like, I mean, it was it was hilarious. And then uh, I remember telling him, you know, all the time, it's like, man, I'm gonna come ask you questions because. Dude, I, I mean, if I fail, dude, I got I got bills to pay. So, so. There's nothing wrong with being a student of the game, right? Yeah, exactly. coach. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So Pappas is the reason I went to South Central or wanted to go to South Central, and that's what got me involved in proactive police work. In proactive policing, we it is in a lot of ways it is uh, because of the call load, because going call to call and uh, for uh, patrol, you almost have to get out of patrol. To, to get involved, be proactive because hey, you can't. Some some days you can't even get out on a five eight or uh, do traffic because I I know the I know there's workarounds. Trust me, I did plenty of it. Mm-hmm. But the proactive policing has, in my opinion, declined quite a bit uh, from the old late nineties. I bet <laughs> I bet Papas would disagree. Yeah, that, yeah well, that dude well, is is the text. Oh god, man! Like yeah. if, if you could create an FTO, that's no, I know, I know who he is. That right last there, year of yeah. uh, on the streets, I was at South, I was at South Central in Foy, and yeah. and, I, and I knew Pappas. Yeah, he, he's but but that's actually an, he's an outlier too but from what yeah what the you, norm you're, is. You're not 100 correct, but even just in the eight years, I was saying it's we we have to reevaluate what constitutes a 911 call. Oh, absolutely. And, and so the problem with that is that our the call load is you know from someone you know we were patrolled in CRT and gang then we promoted get kicked back patrol and then I, I got sent up to you know channel two and these calls are old and you know hold them for three or four days but these are not these are not they should not be police calls you know so and so you're right it is hard to do proactive stuff whenever you still have to answer these calls because they're put in so well, no yeah. you gotta we gotta go yeah. I mean it, you just uh, can't well no hang on I, w- I want to go chase dope or I want to uh, go jack up <clears throat> some uh, gang members but you, you know you gotta do that too but that's Everything is symbiotic in a division where Absolutely. it's call or because uh, a lot of the calls are about the gang activity or about yes. the drug activity. Yeah. So you have to go and uh, you have to you have to respond. Mm-hmm. So speaking of response, um, and we're going ahead, but I want to get into uh, uh, July seventh, twenty sixteen. Where were y'all at? Uh, were y'all riding together? No, we were actually on the third phase of training. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, and I was riding with Pappas as my third phase trainer. Mm-hmm. I was with uh, Oscar Carter. Yeah. Oh, Oscar's great. Yeah, the great. Oh, Oscar Oscar's Carter. awesome. I saw yeah. talked to him about a month ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he doesn't age. Yeah, he's a damn vampire. He just <laughs> yeah. stays looking the same. Oh, like Jack, six five, like probably oh. two seventy, <clears throat> jacked black dude. That's yeah, just freaking swole. professional, juicy. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, yeah. 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 yeah, he's so he is he is so yeah. I used so to when he was training me. I I get out the car and someone start talking crap, man, and I'd be like, oh, okay, I got something for me. You know, and then he get out the car and they're and like, oh, as he's uh, getting out. The shocks are going down. The, the car literally <laughs> then, moves. Yeah. He's just a, he's, yeah. he's one of those ones that nobody wants to talk to you. They all want to talk. To, yep. to Oscar because he just like he's a superhero yep. you know yeah, he, he's like an action good. figure a yeah. lot like Brandon here you know you jump out of yep. the car and they don't want to even yeah, talk exactly. to this yeah. white dude yeah, no, like, hey, no. let me talk to that guy oh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll go with the, the, the guy that looks like he can't beat me up yeah. <laughs> hurts, hurts my feelings yeah. um, I'll let Holmes talk first because he was actually yeah. involved I was right uh, down in the middle yeah. of everything so, okay. uh, so we we were at South Central Station uh, went to bath I was running run the bathroom Oscar Carter he yells at me, get in the car, we're going now. And I was like, oh, okay. So 
uh, we take off, we're going from there and, uh, just, just a calmness, you know, he says, uh, call your wife, be calm, tell her that there are some, there are officers down that you're okay, that you're fine. So I'm like, okay, yes, sir. So I pull my phone out and I tried to be as calm as I can, you know, but we're also going about 140 miles an hour. Uh, and Oscar, if you look at the body camera, he had, he's about to rip off the steering wheel because he's just getting there. And right? he could do it. And he could do it, yeah. So we're getting there. And so we get downtown and uh, right there by El Centro. Um, and you just hear the, the gunshots going everywhere. Um, you know, I've got a, a cousin that's uh, is, was in SWAT in Arlington for 11 years. He's a newly promoted sergeant. Um, and uh, he's been a real big influence in my life. And he uh, sent me a text. He's like, hey, man, so everybody's saying, you know, hey, there's body armor, multiple shooters. Make sure it's a headshot. You know, this is because, you know, that's what his mentality is. That's because he was in SWAT for 11 years. And then um, and he, I found out later that he's texting my mom's. My mom was asking what's going on because I'm, you know, new new cop on the street. And he was like, oh, they won't send him down there. He's on training. Mm. <laughs> so, he's, so, you know, he's trying to, like, call everything. So the crazy thing is is we're running towards El Centro. I can see people, uh, I see officers on the ground, run to El Centro. I see a, a young black male come running towards me. And uh, he falls on the on the uh, on the ground, and so I pick him up, and I'm yanking him out to the side to try to help him. And I look down; I'll never forget this. And he had a "fuck the police" shirt on. Yeah. And uh, I was like, and and he was like, but then he was so grateful. Like he was so grateful. And that shirt yeah. didn't matter at that yeah. point. Oh he yeah, he, he, was, yeah. he was like, thank you, thank you so much. Just crying because I'm yanking him and screaming, screaming, get him out of the way. Because you can, I mean, it's just it's absolute chaos. The war zone. Yep. So, and the the thing is, I had a uh, another individual had had just texted me that night talking about that protest. He's like, "Do you think something bad is going to happen?" And I, I'm pretty sure I, I did. I sent a screenshot, like a text, a picture of me and Oscar. But like, no, the department is, you know, this is we're we have a lot of black officers. We're very good at community policing. You know, that nothing's going to happen. And that that's what I was thinking at the time. So. You know, it was kind of a, a shock to get down there and see all that for me. Um, and then we get to El Central Garage, and a sergeant looks at me. Now, remember, I'm 31, so he doesn't know that I'm still on training. Mm-hmm. He puts me in a, a diamond, and next thing I know, we are clearing. It's just me, and and we finish. Uh, we cleared the whole 11 uh, stories. Uh, you know, I'm I'm actually, you know, I'm finishing up training. I'm on Channel 8, you know, on SWAT, giving information about what I'm seeing across the uh, you know, as I can see into the building. Uh, so, you know, then I'm looking across, looking into that, and then I'm looking down and seeing the vest that they had taken off officer. So it was a very, uh, like, like, man, this is a real, yeah, surreal moment. Like this is crazy. Um, and then my last week, you know, I'm going to funerals. My last week on, on training is going to funerals. That's all I did. So it was uh, a big eye opener for me. Um, I will tell you, uh, like, to see officers like uh, run toward the fight, it, you know, it was really inspiring. Um, but you see all walks of life, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, female, male, age, you know, young, old, everybody's trying to get there. And that was a moment for me that thought that, that it truly is a brotherhood. And so that was a really important time uh, for early on in my career. Brandon, where, where were you at? Um, you know, riding with Pappas, we were at the jail. We were supposed to get off at four. Um at, and we ended up getting a DWI. Um and they had the news channel they had the news on in the right report writing area. 
and you look up on the news and you say one officer killed and um, other shot. And then, like, a few few minutes later, you see two officers killed. And I'm like, can we leave? It's literally like a mile down the street. And he's like, no, we have to stay here and take care of this. Um, so long story short, we finished with the arrest. By the time we left the jail, um, um, the shooter was dead. And uh, we went back to South Central. Um, they were saying come back to the station. And there were, like, hundreds of 911 calls holding yeah and i remember walking into the station and it's just this feeling of i don't even know how to describe it looking at each officer and it's like we don't know what to do so the plan was we were only going to answer prior to one calls um so sure enough south central been south central two tones come out back to back both the shootings so we go to ours in the 40s at, um which is the um camp wisdom and uh Chauncey place area <laughs> and it was nothing so by that time they said um just answer calls start answering priority twos and um officers were riding three four five deep um but yeah uh, we were able weren't able to be down there um but um came in on the back end and started answering calls so that was still to date i've been on the department just at eight years now the longest day i've worked um almost a full 24 hours mentally and physically that's the thing i want i want the listener to understand that what july 7th was uh to to the city and to the country it was it was, it was the worst day in, in in first responder history since 9-11 and it was right here in in like brandon's just describing this is going on downtown. Right. Yes, the shooter was dead, but there were many injured and many dead. Right. And 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 Jacob, he just talked about the brotherhood. There were people that were broken. Absolutely, right. yeah. that ball kept bouncing. Right, yep. you, you did. We didn't. We didn't get just uh, some some businesses. I'll get, go home the rest of the day. Or, no. And, and no, yep. he, you have to go out there and you have to deal with other people's violence and other people's yep. issues, yep. and you have to compartmentalize everything and continue with your jobs and that's what, 365 yeah and even going to the funerals we had other garland and we had all these other agencies fort worth coming over here helping us answer calls that way we can actually go to these funerals yeah. and not everybody had to go um yeah so that's that's the other side it this critical incident this you know life-changing incident happened in the middle of downtown dallas but nothing nothing stopped Yep. That, that's one of the issues with with law enforcement and mental health is that you don't take the time you know you, you can't process you're not a dentist you know you, you can't take two meet two weeks of bereavement leave you know you you've got to come back or you've got to continue that same day yep. um we don't get to to set the timetable on any of that stuff so once it happens it's really important now i see it right now i understand that you need to take the time and actually process it you need to to make it a priority to say, Hey, what actually happened here? You know, run it through your mind, talk to somebody about it. If you don't, it's going to come back to you. You know, one of these days it's going to come back. If if you don't, if you don't confront it, it's going to confront you. And just like any bad guy out here, I I would, I would take just about anybody on face to face. You know, I don't want to be snuck up on. Yep. And it's it's the same thing with your mental health. You've got to, you've got to challenge it before it challenges you. Because it will challenge you. I, I was just talking to a, 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 an officer. I'm not going to say what department. I don't want to uh, identify him. He was just telling me he's dealing with something. He just just 
Tuesday this week. Today's Friday. Just Tuesday this week dealt with something that's been haunting him for 25 years that he saw. Yeah, absolutely. So I would encourage anybody that has gone through – you don't even have to go through an incident like that. That's a rare incident in in, in law enforcement. You know, I I think that it's important that as officers – that we are willing to speak, you know, to each other. And I'm talking about like, about, about your get real. Yeah. Get real. Your personal life. Like every story that, that, you know, I've talked about with Brandon and I here today, we've already had these conversations. You know, we, we've, we've talked through these things. I'll tell him, Hey man, this is what, you know, I'm going through, man. You know, this is, I'm struggling with this right now. Um, you know, when he was younger, he would just kind of sit there and listen because he didn't have as much life experience. And then, you know, as he's gotten older, he's like, well, you know, you shouldn't do this because this is stupid. I'm like, all right, that's fair. You know, so, you know, having those actual real conversations about what's going on in your life and how does this affect you? We have a picture. I remember it's like when we're like just uh, pretty young on the street and it's a, us and another officer and we're just smiling, just all of us together. We, I mean, we, I, I don't know, we were on a shooting uh, stabbing and then a wreck that happened right outside like 27 55 east ledbetter and i had just held this lady and she died in my hands and like i still remember like i remember her like looking at her like this is it and telling her like hey it's okay you know i'm trying to tell her like she's like you know i could see her taking her last breath and then we look at the picture and i'm just smiling and i'm like it's a fake smile is yeah, a, it, it, is, it is a fake. A smile. lot of despair yeah. behind that. Oh, absolutely. Fake smile. Oh, it's it's because I'm like, dude, I'm hurting. You know, I'm hurting because that stinks to see someone go through that. You know, to, to, to see. So, um, I think it's extremely important to be open about those type of things to talk through those things. It's not weakness. It's strength. I right. mean, it's totally strength. So if you're willing to talk about and and speak about the things that you're going through, it, it's going to help you. And, and, and ultimately, you know, I've been married for 15 years. And I have three kids. So I can tell you the success of that is being open and, and talking the truth. And, you know, and you have to. Otherwise, it's you're going to suffer. It's definitely harder to talk about it than it is to keep it inside. Uh, yeah. So the, the strength actually comes from being able to admit that you want to talk about something. 100%. I mean, it's just like public speaking. Everybody wants to sit down and, and watch somebody else do it but actually getting up there is the hard part yep. oh i should it, well, and the more you do it the more the more it, you you get better you get a lot better at it and it's more comfortable and um i'm i'm really uh uh introvert but uh masquerade as an extrovert sometimes but the days that i do i'm exhausted yeah. like doing this doing this this podcast today yes. with i was talking to you uh, on the break that it's it's very exhausting uh because it's therapeutic in a way for you, for y'all to tell your story from childhood to seven seven a lady dying your yeah. or, and then and then yeah. talking about a lady dying to your arms but me being a sponge it's it's exhausting for Absolutely. me yeah. but it's uh, it's also therapeutic for me to sit with people like you to to hear your stories and see I can see physical reactions when y'all are talking about these things y'all I'm watching y'all I yeah. can actually literally see physical reactions yeah. and mannerisms and going back to Chris White episode or Misty talking about Martell there's always a physical reaction when people get to a point of their story that you can tell that is painful for them absolutely yeah. so so I want to talk about 2018 Memorial Day <laughs> at the great Butterbean Apartments yeah. Can can you kind of tell the listener, uh, give a little synopsis about that about that uh, that incident, and and, uh, and and talk about the butterbean with that what that apartment complex is like. Twenty eight thirty six East Overton, People's El Shaddai mm. Apartments. It used to be called um, they called it Butterbeans back in the day. The gang out of that is Butterbean Boys. 
Sounds tough. <laughs> Butterbean boys, yeah, yeah, sounds tough. Yeah. It's like the Buttercup Thugs yeah. over in Pleasant Grove. Yeah. So directly next to the Butterbeans, they still we still call it the Butterbeans today. The actual name, like I said, is People's El Shaddai. Is a store called Discount uh, Beer and Wine. And Pappas had given us some intel about this guy who ran from him earlier in the day. He's like, I couldn't catch him. I'm getting old. <laughs> so I know y'all can catch him. So we pull in. He shows us his picture earlier that day, and we pull in. We see him. He's up there. He's always up there. He takes off running, and next, directly next to the store is a hole in the fence that leads to the butter beans. So we put out that we're on the ground, and the hole isn't big enough for us to fit through with our uniforms. So by the time we get to the hole, it's like, oh, we can't fit through there. We had already put out the assist, right? So you know, we reduce everybody, and we say, disregard everybody. We don't need anybody. The guy got away. So we're sitting in the parking lot of discount, and we hear four gunshots, like super close. And it's a car wash right there at uh, Bunnyview and Overton. And we know it has to be coming from the car wash. At the time, that car wash was popping. Everybody's selling dope over yeah. there. So. Uh, it's uh, heavy drug sales, heavy foot and vehicle traffic, prostitution, anything you can think of was happening at that car wash. So, and it's three cars of us. Holmes and Average was in one car. I was in the car by myself and Shiloh Sams. She was in the car by herself. So Shout out Shiloh. Shout out. So Holmes and Average goes first and they see this red Camaro just peel out and take off. So pretty much thinking that's the car that did it. Yeah, that's, that's your shooter. Yeah. So. It started going from the car wash towards the butter beans. And from what I see, I just see people pointing towards the red Camaro because I'm the third car. Directly across from the butter beans, this car pulls into the driveway, almost drops into the backyard. And by the time I catch up, Holmes and Average, they're doing a felony traffic stop. So they're screaming at this guy. We get him out of the car. And mind you, it's Memorial Day. And at the Butterbeans, they're having this cookout. Yeah. Lots so, of people out. Yeah, yeah. There's at least 100 people in the playground area of the Butterbeans. So we catch up. We get him out of the car. He's like, this guy just tried to rob me. The guy who was driving, he was the only person in the car. He's like, this guy, he's trying to rob me. Um, what he look like? It's a black guy wearing all black with dreads. Now, mind you, this guy also had a gun and 88 bags of crack in his car, too. So, yeah, so he, he's not like the greatest guy in the world. Yeah. 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 Businessman. Yeah, he's a businessman. Yeah. Sure enough, he's he's playing this guy tried to rob me. This guy tried to rob me. We get the description. And sure enough, literally, this guy, he's walking up. Black male wearing all black with short dreads coming from the car wash. And he has, like, this death stare. Mm-hmm at this guy and he's just walking to him and we're screaming at him get back get back what are you doing then it clicks like oh wait a minute this is the suspect he's talking about <laughs> so we go up to him hey man turn around real quick and then grab him and the fight's just it's just stolen at that point this athletic dude yeah. yeah we go to the ground you want to take over this part yeah at this point yeah so i'm trying to so we're trying to give him cuss and uh he's fighting and then you get that worst feeling ever where uh there's a hand on your gun that's not yours um, and, and that feeling was at, at that point, you know, we do you know, my mind, I, you, you know, if you, if you really train serious, I believe that you don't have to think a lot about it. You'll, it, 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 it you're going to do the retention drill. I remember pressing down 
and he's got it. And, and so I just put it back. So we had just been in a felony traffic stop. So the hood didn't go all the way down. So all he had to do was hit that one little thumb notch and it's, it's halfway out. So we're fighting over it. So I'm, I'm telling him, Hey, he's got, he's got my gun. Watch out, watch out. And I'm holding on to my left with my left hand, hold on to the guy. At this point, he's like trying to get, it. I can see him. So I had to give him some strikes, um, uh, to, to the face to make sure that, you know, he'll let go of my gun at this point, it's, you know, it's pretty much a lethal force. Uh, so striking him, striking him enough where his face is, is, is getting bloody. So, um, so, it, so this is all happening. Right. And then right across the street that we just talked about the culture earlier, that, that this becomes a, a scene and a theater. A, yeah, a theater, right. So a theater, so they're watching and screaming and all they can see is right. Is, you know, we're, you know, all they think is we're just beating this guy's ass, right? But that's not at all what we're doing. We're, we're trying to, uh, you know, just trying to keep him from getting my gun and trying to, you know, from trying to shoot us, kill us. And I tell people all the time, especially people that are not police, they think, you know, every fight a police officer in, there's at least one gun involved. We have officers that get killed all the time with their own weapon. So I'm, so I'm doing that. I give him the strikes. And uh, finally, uh, he doesn't go unconscious from the strikes, um, but it, he's definitely dazed and confused. So we're able to get him in the handcuffs, but at that point, it was the the theater. It was like uh, like the Roman Empire is, is throwing like uh, the Colosseum, and everybody's mad, and they're throwing everything, rocks and bottles, and I mean just and here we are trying to stop this crack, you know, dealer and this other guy from shooting at each other, so that way some of these you know some of these kids don't get hit right across the street, and then yet now everybody's turning on us. Um, so, uh, one interesting fact about that story was, um, uh, Di tried to able me before able was a thing. So mm. once I got him in cuss, right. So it's over. He's, I got him in cuss. He's done. He, we're going to have to get either farther. He's, he's bleeding pretty bad. Um, so at this point I'm holding, I've got a hold of him and I look, and, but we still have our other suspect. We still have a car. We still have a gun that we have to get. So everybody's trying to do their thing. And I look over and there's a, there's a large rock that lands right by the suspect's head. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be bad if I don't get him out. So I have to yank him away. So I'm yanking him away. And so I'm body camera, and we, and we looked at it, and you hear that go, Holmes, 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 it's over, it's over, man. Hey, you're good, you're good. I was like, and I, I knew what he was saying because I knew he was trying to look out for me. Right. I hurt my feelings, right? He's trying to look out for me. I said, I said no, man, the, the rock almost hit him in the head. They're throwing stuff. And then by the time we turn around, you just see bottles and rocks. They're throwing it at us. Because so. well, you get so laser focused and and, and, yeah. and, and what's right in front of you. Yeah. There's the bigger picture is Absolutely. The, the bigger threat. Right? Yeah, right. But the good news was, you know, like I said, he's trying to look out for me, trying to make sure I wasn't, you know, doing anything wrong. And I was, I was just trying, I didn't want, although he just went for my, my gun, right? It's over. I'm not, I, I don't want him to get killed. By somebody else for one i don't want them to blame me you know that's that's, that's the other thing <laughs> yeah, right? he's in custody he's yeah yours, he's, he's, yeah, he's in custody he's mine so, so he's yeah. yours and you got to get evacuated out of there with, with your so arrest that's yeah, exactly no. what happened yeah. um sergeant showed up i said like, hey sergeant we got to relocate they're throwing stuff at us um pretty much hey we heard gunshots um we went over to drive see what happened and the car took off we did a felony traffic stop this guy walks up he claims he was robbed uh the suspect walks up we fight him and that's what happened. So we relocate. Uh, we do an inventory of the car and everything. And like Holmes said, it was 88 bags of crack <laughs> and a pistol under the front seat. It's a 10-round pistol and had six bullets in it. Mm. And we heard, we heard four gunshots. Yeah. So longer story short, um, we pretty much stopped a, um, a drug deal going bad. Yeah. That's yeah. what it was. And it was just right in front of us. And it was so. just literally less than 
a tenth of a mile away from us. Yeah, I mean, from the community standpoint and the Butterbeans, they think we're just doing a traffic stop and then just starting to beat a guy's ass for no – there's yeah. nothing to do with that. You know, there's nothing – it was the fact that, you know, we're trying to stop them from shooting each other. And that's so, the yeah. easy uh-huh. assumption. Yep. Right. So, the joke of it all, if you're ever wondering why 283060 East Overton is a mandatory four-man location, that's why. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> we, we, we created that. Well – there's a lot of uh, four-man locations oh, out yeah. there in uh, oh, South yeah. Central and oh, yeah. in yes. Southeast. Yeah. So I want to talk about an arrest that that went viral. So whoever wants to jump into that, I want the, I want the listener. I want y'all to paint the, a picture for the listener okay. of of this arrest with well, Trap oh, yeah. Boy. So by the time we're in our proactive realm, we're kind of in our prime at this time. Everybody knows that we're the proactive guys on the watch and everything. So in detail. Word gets out on that. Trust yeah. me. Oh, yeah. When you're proactive, oh, yeah. people know. Oh, and yeah. then the sergeants had given us freedom. They're like, hey, yeah. you yeah. guys are doing things the right way. Y'all y'all go y'all go do proactive Good. work. So so in South Central, I say we probably got about 12 or 13 spots that was in our rotation. We, we're literally starting the 50s, work our way around to the 40s, go up to the 20s. Just pretty much a big circle. And it's like a fishing game. We're literally looking for. We don't. We don't care about a user. Yeah. You know, we're looking for a, a an actual uh, a drug dealer that's going to have weapons that's going to terrorize the community. Right. We want them right. out. That's what. That's what we're looking for. So. That's my plug for. I mean, and for the stigma that's attached to proactive policing. Being grown up in Dallas, been a Dallas police officer, the way to reduce violent crime is through proactive policing and community policing on a day to day basis. Yes, the big events, the community events, are great. We're going to continue doing them, but it's the day-to-day interactions, taking the extra five, ten minutes to play basketball, to stop and talk to somebody, to ask somebody questions. Or like when it's Misty, like, when someone yeah. calls out Misty's name and she takes the time to go, yeah. hey, let me talk to this kid. Yeah. You know, what, what difference does that make? You know, that, yeah. that's the community. But it takes five minutes, right? Yeah. It takes five minutes of your day. So. That mixed with getting a gun before it's used in the offense is how ultimately how crime is reduced. Um, if we get the gun before it's used in the shooting, that's perfect. Even though it's just a misdemeanor charge, we got that gun off the streets. So that was our goal, is to get the gun and a violent felon um, in a day-to-day basis. So that area, um, the Lancaster and Arbor area, um, Lancaster, Ledbetter area, they had seen an increase in shootings. So the major at the time came to detail, and he was like, hey, can y'all show 4903 South Lancaster as Autry's? Uh, some love because it wasn't in our rotation it wasn't a part of it was not until that day it was not a part of our um rotation of what we call hot spots so like okay we'll go by there and we're trying to figure out the best angle to come in the parking lot and stuff like that because you can't come in off lancaster because the train tracks so we decide hey we're going to go in at, at kingsley and turn in the parking lot so we see about maybe what 10 dudes in the parking lot yeah and what we're looking for is not a secret. Is the person who who moves the quickest, the person who throws something, the person who's wearing a backpack, the person who goes inside the, the store with a gun. You know, many it's, times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can see the bull just throwing something under the car. Uh, that's what we're looking for. If it's ten guys out there, we can't stop everybody. So we're looking for the guy who probably has something with those furtive gestures. In this incident, uh, uh, the thing is that they were actually the, the group was uh, filming a rap video. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, so I had a different mentality. I'm not gonna lie. 
than what Die did. Die was actually showing up to do real police work. I was trying to get in a rap video. I, that's just a reality situation. Uh, mission accomplished, eh? Yeah. <laughs> it did actually eventually happen. Um, so, For me, what I saw was a group of uh, males in front of a store. A criminal trespass affidavit is in effect at the store. I see a guy who is wearing, I believe, a white long johns shirt and black pants. He's smoking weed in front of the store. We have a city ordinance. Uh, you can't smoke within 15 feet of an entranceway. Got that t- that question right on the senior corporal. Yes, exam. I got that. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So, that was, yeah, yeah. I was like, I got this one. I got a history of that one. So, so we have reason to talk to him. And he's a, as soon as we hit the car, as soon as they see that squad car, he dodges in the store. Okay, we're going to go ahead and talk. That's our guy. Uh, we, we ever, Before we got out of the car, um, at the time, I would call it, hey, white, sh- white long sleeve shirt, black pants. Just went inside the store. And as we're walking in the store, he comes out. I say, hey, guy, let me talk to you. I picked up guy from Pappas. <laughs> Which usually is indicative of the fact that we've had, at this time, we'd had numerous arrests where they go in the store and they just dish the gun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. so, and then you detain him because what what he's done. And then you go back and look at the, the video and you see him throwing the gun. So mm-hmm. that's that's what we're like, okay, yeah, we're just going to grab him, detain him, and then it is what it is. So, so. Reach out to grab him. He takes off. I actually did grab him by his tricep, and he jerked away and took off. So he's running. He turns right there. Like Denley? Yeah. Denley, yeah. Turns right there in Denley, and he turns and faces me, and he's kind of getting down on the ground, but that's not completely compliant. Yeah. So I push him completely to the ground. Uh, give me your hands. Give me your hands. He does the number where he goes. His hands is underneath his body. If he's laying face down on the ground, his hands are underneath his body. So by that time, Holmes catches up, and we're giving him commands. Give me your hands. Give me your hands. And Holmes hits him once in the face, and then he gives his hands. It's effective. Yeah. yeah. Put him in handcuffs. Uh, by this time, Holmes puts it out. It was very rare because generally at that time, Holmes was always first in a foot chase. <laughs> <laughs> Not so, so much anymore with that flat tire, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. Yeah, was, yeah. I mean, hey, I, I got a reputation of being the uh, the old white guy that could catch people. Oh, yeah. yeah, in South Central, you have a long yeah. stride. Yes, I do. Have Sometimes a long stride. reputation's better than being fast. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So we get him in handcuffs, and uh, can I just say though, real quick, you said that is that you were first, but I'm not joking. I was literally like getting in the rap video and waving. Like, I was trying to like, <laughs> I was so. I mean, and then I look up, I'm like, oh crud, he's running. Here we go. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I had a little a little hesitation there. Right. So. Well, we can race now and see who wins. No, right, yeah. Yeah. man, I got. Hey, I'll get a video and I'll probably get a bunch of damn yeah. likes on that one. Yeah, I know, for real. <laughs> Post I know. this episode. Yeah, give me a few months. Yeah. His knee's still not ready. <laughs> yeah. so. so we get him in handcuffs and the crowd's forming. The same traditional. Yep. Hey, the police are here, and at the time I had some intelligence that this house that we tackled him in front of was a dope house. And it's a historic dope house. It's always been a dope house. Yeah. It's got a plaque um, out front. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't thinking about that at the time. I really didn't care. I mean, my my target was in front of me. Um, so we get people yelling at us. And at the time, we had become somewhat of experienced in crowd control. Hmm. And, hey, you can stay over there and record all you want to. We don't – I mean – would never ever have an issue with people recording as police policing in general i want to make that very clear that we don't have an issue with because we're recording because yeah. we're recording yeah and i'm glad that i came into policing in the area of body cameras to cover everything i do because everything i do is with purpose 
and with pretty much trying to serve the city. And it's uh, evidence. Make it safe. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's good evidence, yeah. So, hey, we pretty much came experience in crowd control. Hey, you can stay over there, but don't come over here. If yeah. you come over here, you're going to jail. It's called interference with public duties. And so, then, yeah, of course, in one way, he's like, well, he's saying he can't breathe. I'm like, well, that's because he just ran. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're so, not on top of him or anything. He can't breathe because he smokes weed and he just ran. So At this point, he's in a recovery position. And I'm trying to get information from the people yelling at us. We're talking on the radio, getting people to come. So we're thinking it's just a crowd forming because that's what happens when the police chase somebody. But then Randy Mays shows up. He's a sergeant now. And he's like, you know who that is, right? It's like, no, I don't know who that is. He's like, that's Trap Boy Freddy. And he shows me his Instagram. And he has a few hundred thousand followers. And I'm like, oh, okay. A local Dallas rapper, right? For me, I listen to country music and R&B music. That's it. I have a few rap songs and listen to rap when I'm around certain people. But yeah. for me, on my playlist, is R&B and country. I'm a big Trap Boy Freddy oh. fan, yeah, by yeah. the way. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> then... I look at my I look at my phone and again where the streets talk and the first thing get a message from Detective Scudder uh, me and him are, and Holmes are in a group chat and he's like oh how'd y'all get him and I'm like who is like who like yeah. Yeah, I didn't, unknown but known to me exactly what he was involved in and what he was doing so then I'm start getting text my my twin sister calls me because she's like you arrested trap boy I was like. I guess so. (laughs) Damn right I did. Yeah. (laughs) And so the whole thing went viral. And honestly, what happened for us after that, that was kind of like a stamp for us. Yeah. So, So, because that day I interviewed for CRT. Yep. And then the next morning, he had his interview. Yeah. And to, to be and, perfectly honest, and I'll say this is, you know, you know, people try to put on a, a facade and, and act a certain way. Uh, he was nothing but respectful for us in jail. <laughs> but respectful. Yeah. Of course, he posted a viral video saying how we were, you know, bad cops and everything. But that's, you know, it's interesting is we had built enough of a reputation in South Central that people would, they knew us. And they knew what they were. And they're like, no, nah, we know that was just for the clout. Yep. Like they, they knew us. They yeah, knew that we, yep. we had treated, we've been in so many foot chases, we've been in so many, we arrested so many people, and then still treated them with respect afterwards and t- tried to speak into their lives. That, you know, no one, people on South Oak Cliff weren't, there was no. He's yeah, just yeah. playing a character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, so. Right. And what happened with that video, the trap house that I mentioned earlier, they released a video. <laughs> Uh, public uh, news to be made public shortly. Yeah, yeah. Um, they released yeah. a video, and it was a looped video. Yes, the use of force was probably about six seconds. They released a fourteen-second video. They just they looped it, so it looks like we're going like back and forth on top yeah. of them. Like that's so fake, obviously. Yeah. Trap Boy posted that on his Instagram account. Then this is where it went viral. Yeah, uh, when Yellow Beezy, because they're cool, he posted on his Instagram account. Yeah, and. The effect for that, I had some people telling me, hey, hey, go ahead and deactivate your Facebook, deactivate your Instagram. I was like, for what? <laughs> so, and I see everything that all of my high school classmates are posting. And I was like, did they forget we're Facebook friends? I mean, you can <laughs> inbox me and we can, I can tell you what happened. So, yeah, honestly, only one person I went to high school with inboxed me and said, I know you were doing the right thing. I hope you have a better night. And that was it. But nobody confronted me about it. Nobody said anything. Yeah, they talk crap on Facebook. Um, I saw the posts. I saw all of them. And it was so hard not to comment. 
uh, because it's like you can simply ask me. We sat next to each other in class. I haven't changed. My purpose is still the same. And this rapper who does damage to the community, uh, and and I'm not talking about rapping. Um, I'm trying to. We can't get too too far, yeah. too far into um, that, but yeah. But and I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. Like to me, he was just another guy. We had been in what seventeen or so foot chases that um, during that period of that summer. Yeah, or, just the summer. Yeah, just mm-hmm. within that yeah. coming off that yeah. summer because this was November. Yeah, coming off that summer, I think we had like a total of like seventeen foot chases. Yeah, um, we've been. I mean, like I said, it's eight years. We've had a lot of opportunities. We've been well over. Well, probably close to 150 foot chases at this yeah. point. Being mm-hmm. in CRT, gang unit stuff, and that's what we, you know, we worked in that area. That's what we were passionate yeah. about, and trying to stop those specific people from, you know, dealing drugs, which eventually lead to uh, getting shootings. And those bullets don't have names on them, and yeah. so you know, for us, that's important that we were able to stop that. And yeah. so, and so that's where those we're not just chasing random people. We're, we're trying to we know what we're looking for. Well, it's yeah. proactive policing. Yeah. You, yeah. If you're uh-huh. proactive, you're going to get in a foot chase. You're going to get into yes. scuffles and fights. Exactly. Exactly. It's gonna happen. So Yeah. So as a result, I mean, and then just like everything else, um, it blows over and um it got us it stamped us, I believe, for to get on CRT, then eventually the gang unit together. Then as a result of that, um every time we would have like an event Oak Cliff related because that's where Trap Boy's from, he would be there, and then he would swear that we're following him. I was like, no, bro, we're in a gang unit, and you happen to be a part of that population. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, mean, you're a documented gang manager, brother. We, we that's so, part of our job. Yeah. But, yeah, um, that's what happened with the whole um, Trap Boy Freddy incident. So you guys have permanent backstage passes to all his shows? That's, that's actually funny, because at the Dub Car Show, yeah. <laughs> we did have backstage <laughs> passes where he was performing. and. Yeah. And it was a video saying that um, released on YouTube saying that uh, they're stalking him. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, no, yeah, right. no we, we, don't, we don't care anything yeah. about man. Just no, no offense, but you're just you're just, yeah, just just going to be around you constantly and not yeah. do anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, yeah that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah, I want to get into so you, you know you say you're you have a lot of Facebook friends from uh, classmate high school classmates mm-hmm. and uh, and honestly you're you're still very young. You're not that far removed from from the, the high school mm-hmm. life. Have you had any negative experiences from uh, folks from high school that you went, you, you grew up with because you're a police officer? I think just the general thing that I'm a cop is what's the negative part for some people. Yeah, um, just can't get over mind that. Mind you, I've pulled over people that I've went to school with, didn't write them tickets. Um, I've um, there's been in the gang unit. There's been people who's been a part of operations. Well, let me let me clarify. You're saying didn't write them tickets uh, just because we don't write tickets to just you know people for uh, hardworking people, not because right. yeah. I just want to make that clear yep. that has as yeah. That's not what we're in the business of doing. Not just because they helped you with your biology test. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, no, so no quid pro quo here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's oh, nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I just want to make that clear that neither one of we just don't. That's not what we do. And there's a place for tickets. Absolutely. There's an importance for that. Um, and, and that type of policing. Um, but when we're pulling someone over, you know, it, it, we're, there's a reason that we're, we're trying to talk to them. Right. Um, but the negative is just Facebook. Um, I would, anytime I think something would happen in Dallas regarding a police officer or something, then my name would get thrown out there. And then it's like, well, 
um, and how I'm a sellout of my Uncle Tom and stuff like that. Um, how do you deal with that? Um, honestly, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was because growing up at a young age, I didn't want to be a cop. I'm, I know I'm doing this for the right reasons, to make a safer Dallas. Um, and it's a form of giving back um, to the community I grew up in. Um, it always – this is the baffling part for me because it's kind of like how can most people support somebody who commits crimes in an area that they grew up in? You're taking away from the person who stays in the same apartment complex, the person who stays two streets over, who's probably going through the same struggles you are. Mm-hmm. And you're committing crimes against those people who had the same upbringing as you. But they can support that person. Hey, free him. Um, what's the saying? Um, free him till he's backwards. Uh, all that stuff. He's committing ag robberies. He's committing... Um, um, he's in stolen cars, stolos, and it's like he can do no wrong. But me, I arrest him. Or I'm, I'm saying him in, as a general term, and I'm the bad guy. When until and it's it's always until it happens close to home, yeah. until it's your family, and, and where's then the it's like where's the police? Yeah. Or hey, can you help me do? This? Can you help me find out who did this? For me, as far as the negative comments, I don't care for them. They, I think. Uh, I was a senior class president, mm-hmm. and my demeanor has always been the same as it is now. For me, I'll tell you real bluntly, I don't care. So I would say, I, I, in our career, I say I get offended. I get offended yeah. for him. It bothers me more than it bothers him. And I've, I've confronted several people like that and tell man, you said, what, what have you done? Especially when a black person is trying to call him uh, Uncle Tom or a house N word, you know, mm-hmm. they don't use that word, you know, but but they say that, and I'm like, I'll stop. I'm like, hey man, uh, what have you done for your community? What have you done to help the community that you're saying that it's your people? And he, he's from born and raised here, and he's actually com- giving back, contributing to the people, and taking care of individuals in this inside. And you you know what they do? They're like. Oh well, whatever, right? Yeah, that, that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah, a yeah, okay, can uh-huh. response. Yeah, social well, media in general is just a it. Yeah. It gives fools and cowards a microphone and a platform. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah. that's that's almost frustrating as a police officer. Now I'm, I'm a little bit older, so I didn't really grow up with social media. But yeah. people who actually interact with it, you're censored. Like you, you can't say what you really want to say to some of these people. Yeah, and they can. And that that part is frustrating, but. I'm Again, talking about confront people on the street. That's what I can yeah, to. Yeah, but still, I, yeah, but you're right. Yeah, it's an hour and forty five minutes now that I know this guy, and I'm I'm just blown away Absolutely. by his professionalism. And, Absolutely. And yeah. Now you see that that's just who he is. Well, I, I have a bit. I'm, I try to stay stay behind my. I, I've been saying this line forever is is consider the source, right? Oh, yeah. And, and I, I heard, and, I've heard you say and, that on and, this podcast. That's a very good point. Well, yeah. it, you know, and because. I worked in South Dallas in that area and in, in, in South Oak Cliff, uh, and I grew up over there in, uh, in South, South Oak Cliff, Cliff area in Southwest Side. I, I've been I've been called racist, and, mm-hmm. and and you know what? I work in an area that's predominantly minority community, and the people that I go after because I chose to go do proactive policing in that area. There's a lot of bad men and women that are Hispanic or they're African American. Yeah. I'm there because I'm following the crime. I'm right. following the Absolutely. activity. Yeah. And then when I hear people say things like, man, I said, man whatever, shit. Yeah. I, what have you done? I know I know that I've helped more, more minority yeah. people Absolutely. in these areas than they have because of some stupid-ass post they may do or mm-hmm. or, or a video that they, they may have taken of me uh, wrestling somebody. Yeah. 
And I'll say the majority of people in um, these communities want the police. Oh, yeah. Every time we do an interaction uh, or every time we do an uh, operation, uh, we get somebody thanking us. Thank you for finally taking down that dope house. Thank you for – my thing is these guys who hang out in front of stores, maybe – that's the only store somebody can walk to. Yeah. Somebody, some person me. don't want to be, they don't want to be accosted or fearful of going inside this store. So and my job as a police officer is to eliminate that. I mean, some people don't have cars or this store is the only thing they have to get the necessities they need. Or they're for, older and they, that's yeah. where that's their, you know, cause they're not putting, so, no one's putting a Walmart in there. So they got to go right. So they got to walk to that store and they're fearful because there's fearful that there's going to be two rival gang members or drug dealers that are getting a shootout, yep. you know? And so, or these guys are shooting dice directly in front of the door and they can't get inside. And it's like, well, I guess I want to get milk today. So yeah. I'm going to just go home. It deters so, them from living yeah. their own life. Right. Yeah. So that's, I mean, there's a reason for it, uh, the proactivity is because it, it, clean, it makes it better. It makes the people say, hey, there's been places in South Oak Cliff that we've helped clean up and yeah. it, it feels good. It's not fun anymore because it's like uh, <laughs> yeah. all our activity is yeah. gone. Yeah. But, but, but it's like we felt like we did something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's very rewarding to help people, and uh, to and, and I think I've also mentioned before when you when you hit like a, a dope house, you arrest somebody like a you know the yeah. uh, uh, a known uh, mm-hmm. dealer out there that you see the people from across the street giving you a very discreet thumbs up. Right. Or, oh, yeah, right. you know it's it happens all the time, it, and it is very rewarding. It makes you feel like what you what you're doing and your mission matters. I will say this as well. When there's a difference between when I get out of the car in Oak Cliff and when I get out of the car in South Dallas. Yes. In Oak Cliff, I'm the sell out on Uncle Tom. But when I get out of the car in Southeast Dallas, it's like, oh, that's one of the Johnson sisters, uh, son. Good job. Come over here and give me a hug. And, Good. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, 100%. I can yeah. attest to that. Like, where, and because it's more, there's pride. All right, there's pride. Like, hey, he he's he's from this area. He's born and raised. He worked his tail off, and and they, you know, I say it all the time. Is that's gonna be the next? That's gonna be the chief someday. You know, and that's his goal. And I said that's gonna be a chief someday. And and they take pride in that, which is very interesting for me to watch as you know, as an older white male, seeing how uh, in South Oak Clip, just right across a bridge, you know. <laughs> That people will say, "Oh no, he's a black officer and he's selling out." And that's that. That's where I get hot. Yeah, I'm like, dude, that. dude. Yeah. I'm like, no. That pisses me off. Thinking yeah. about here. Yeah, I was like, dude, no. This dude has committed his life, um, and so, uh, yeah. And, and it's very interesting that society, you know, doesn't know that's the way that really things happen in law enforcement because the news and media will not actually uh, see the truth on that. So, so you were, you were your senior class president. Yes. Did you do anything before that in leadership roles like that? With the explorers, so even in the explorers, right? You were yeah. you were the the rookie explorer of the year. Is that what you won? And then you also won the the explorer of the state. Yes, um, Talia, uh, Texas Law Enforcement Advisors Association. Uh, it's like the Super Bowl for explorer competitions. So it's the state of Texas hosted. Like Chris Grawl and Joe Hawkins are legends in the explorer program, and. I believe both of them are still on the board for Talia. So when I was an explorer, when I first joined Explorers, I got rookie explorer of the year, and then and that was like as a seven year old, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was. I was he had the same 14. voice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same voice. He's like, I'm here for my explorer meeting. <laughs> and then I won for the entire. Uh, that was for the entire entire state. Then I won the actual explorer of the year. Holmes wrote down drum major. <laughs> that's um, a leaders. That's a leadership. Yeah, that, um, that's, that's a leadership thing, man. My freshman yeah. and sophomore year, I was a drum major of 
the great James Madison freshman uh-huh. marching as band. As a freshman and a sophomore, you yeah. were a drum major. That's usually reserved for upperclassmen. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, again, your whole life has been service and leadership to this point, right? Yes. So, Jacob, you were involved with, with school and children. You see all sorts of children. Right? As a teacher, you and especially as a coach, yep. you see a lot of leadership coming up in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Explain what you see in Brandon. Just brag on him a little bit. So, so one of the things that, you know, like I said, being someone who was in that and, and meeting him, uh, one of the things I'll say this and is you got to give it just a shout out to uh, his mom. And I'll tell you that uh, after 10 years in uh, education and eight years in law enforcement and being of all walks of life, right? Black, white, Hispanic, whatever the, uh, the cultural background, whatever, whatever theological background, right? We have all kinds of different viewpoints um, and, and whatever your political viewpoints. If you are going to be successful in life, it's all about how you're raised. And I, and I say this and people say, well, is there a possibility that you can, even if you're raised right, can you do well? Yes, you can, but it's going to be a whole lot harder. Right. So my background was really, really rough. You know, my dad was abusive. Uh, Then when I was 12, he committed suicide, you know, and then I guess what? My mom got remarried to my stepdad and I learned I saw a man uh, treat a woman the way that was supposed to happen. And that radically changed my life. And so uh, these people that come in your life and it takes a tribe, just like I was saying, but I'm telling you, his mom has had put in the effort to make sure he was taken care of. Then you have the other people that come in and speak into his life. And that's, that's the first point, right? You have to have these, these uh, people around you, your, the parents or the grandparents. It can be a multitude of people, but people have to be speaking into these young people's life. That's one. And then the second thing is there's choice. For that, sure. That young person, and this is where the bragging about die comes is, is I've never, I, when I, he's 19 years old and he, I remember him, you know, we we're in Academy and we became friends real quick because we have, we have, you know, we had the same similar backgrounds, um, you know, rough upbringing, rough kind of thing. And we're talking and I remember him telling me, he's like, yeah, I know everybody looks at me as a young person, man. And I said, dude, I'm not trying to like preach to you, but I'm going to tell you, there's a really good truth that, you know, and it's from, it's from the word of God. It says, never let anyone let down you be on your youth. And you have something that is um, unique, right? You have a gift, and you have a gift of leadership. You have a gift of understanding, uh, uh, of goal-driven. You need to take that and go with it, like, and go with it. And he said, man, he said, what do you want to do? He's like, I want to be the chief. And I've, everybody knows this. Everybody jokes, like, uh, Dad's going to be the chief, and Holmes is going to be a driver someday. <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm like, that's fine with me, man. I'm going to be a civilian because I'm too old. To, by the time he gets there, he knows I'm too old. I'll be retired, but I'll come back as a civilian driver. And so I say that because the way that um, – his wanting to learn. When we first got out there, he knew the law. He, he knew how to put people in jail. And he would tell me things like, man, I, I just want to be able to talk to people like the way that you can. I was like, that will come. Man, you know, you're 20 years old. Yeah. Life experience is going to give you that. It's going to happen, right? It's going to happen, and I've seen it. So it's been fun to watch someone from 19 to 20, almost 28, to watch someone grow up in this profession as like, and basically as my little brother. You know, and so uh, I absolutely uh, can't speak highly enough about them. Um, and and I think that uh, for young officers, it's a model of of how you want to, you know, uh, you know, look at your career in the future. Speaking of other accolades that uh, that you received, uh, we're on the eve of uh, of Dallas Police Association Cops Cop, uh, which is a great time. It is a great time, <laughs> and. 
I will be there tomorrow night. This is yeah. I will be there too. So, can you talk about that experience? And you, you were the 2019 yes. Dallas Police Association Cops Cop overall winner. Can you talk about that experience for you? I would say uh, it was very unexpected because the person who nominated me, I know I knew who he was, but I didn't know him. Uh, as who detective, was uh, as detective Eric Lytle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in capers now he at the time he was one of the south central uh, property crimes detectives and we had helped him out on a few at the time like was it offer up and yeah. let it go and the theft, of, uh, person theft of persons was uh, super high uh, people would be selling iPhones stuff like that we helped him a couple times on some things identify some guys for him but then he comes to me a couple months later say hey i'm putting you in for basically offshore the month dpa's cops cop uh, oh okay cool um i was completely unexpected and then at the time, from March of 2019 and prior, I felt that this is my confident, cocky moment. I would <laughs> put my numbers up against anybody. I would put my work ethic up against anybody. I would put I would put it all out there and say, top that. Then fast forward to the yearly banquet. Initially, I didn't think I was going. I didn't think I was going to win. I was up in a hotel room because they are very uh, generous and gives us a whole free hotel room. It's nice. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, it's a good deal. And I was like, you know what? If I do win, I want to have something to say, uh, even though I don't think I'm. So I'm, t- I'm going back to my monthly win speech, and then I'm editing some stuff, putting in some stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'm going up my first against my first face trainer, Jake Morgan. Yeah, who was a great, phenomenal. Yeah, guy. Uh, he's a homicide. Now. Shout oh, out yeah. Tim Tebow. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've always said he looks like yeah. Tebow. <laughs> Yeah, hey, dude, that dude, he was a great and trainer, brilliant guy. Yeah. Then they they say I won. I'm like, oh, geez. I'm like, oh. And, yeah, it was a great experience, and I feel that it shows that hard work doesn't go unnoticed. I'm not in it for the accolades. I'm not in it for the awards. It's the sat- I'm in it for the satisfaction of knowing that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But to be recognized is always a great thing. Especially recognized by your peers. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, it wasn't yeah, a supervisor was, who nominated yeah. me. It was a detective. Well, and he's – Lytle is, if you know him uh, – you know, I know him very well. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, our sons played on the same baseball team for a while, and he's uh, he's just matter-of-fact. So it's not – there's no – he's not like, oh, I'm going to try to help this young guy out. No, he just – he looks at – he looked at it and said this is a great officer and uh so that was that's something other officers should you look to do more senior officers look to try to support so that was really great of him to do that yeah. so great. i'm very grateful and very humbled for, by it that's awesome it's inspiring to go from growing up in the 415 to become a young explorer become a very young recruit Absolutely. with dallas police yeah. Depar- yeah. department hell you, you can't even you can't even buy a drink yet <laughs> and then winning the uh cops cop award a short time after graduating, really relatively very very young officer. But when you put in good work, people that you may not even know are paying attention. They're paying attention like Lytle, right? I know Lytle. I I worked with him quite a bit when he was in robbery. And now he's back at uh, he's back at uh, South Central, right? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he, yeah he's back at South Central. And you caught his eye, right? Your your body yeah. of work caught his eye, and and. In this department, you in this profession, really, uh, you don't get a lot of uh, pats on the back, you know, and yep. uh, and a lot of time people are waiting in line to, to give you a slap across the face. <laughs> yep. But to get a pat on your back from your peers and to grow up in an in, in area that there's a lot of people they don't they don't make it out of that 
that cycle in that area to uh, to become, especially law enforcement, yep. right? Yeah. Um, I want to I want to ask you a final question. Okay. So, all the other young young people out in in crime ridden areas and 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 poverty stricken areas that are trying to there i have dreams of getting out and 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 serving and and making their community better what would you tell them as from experience and also being a leader what would you tell them how can they do that i would say to have a plan for me billy dade middle school they had a program called team success I forget the the CEO's name, but I remember taking from his speech, have a plan. As a freshman in high school, have a actionable plan that you want to do when you graduate. If not, life is going to pass you by. And that's what I did. My freshman year, I told myself I was going to apply to the Dallas Police Department January of 2015, and that's what I did. In 2009, I told myself I was going to apply in January of 2015. So I would say have a plan. Know what you want to do. Talk to the right people to figure out how you're going to get there. Write it down. For me, on my wall, I had get driver's license, graduate high school, complete first semester of college. I had this on my wall, and it was it was years went by before some of those boxes were checked, but they were all eventually checked. And then the second thing was that everything is a choice. Regardless of the hand that life has dealt you, regardless of how you've grown up, at some point, somebody has shown you the difference between right and wrong or even if they haven't just as humans we can feel if something is wrong some moral code yes yeah we can feel like i'm doing something and i'm pretty sure it's going to hurt somebody else or this isn't going to be right for me then it's probably a wrong choice and more than likely it's probably legal so it's going to halt you from doing whatever it is you want to do so everything else is it's a choice you can choose to do what you want to do with this life And I'm not talking about becoming a police officer. That's just in whatever goal you have for yourself. And for people specifically in the low socioeconomic um, areas, the crime-ridden areas, I always say it's it's more to life than South Dallas. You can always uh, stay and give back or you can leave and give back. But there's more to experience in life than just being surrounded by – it's a small amount of negativity – a small um but because i didn't have a bad childhood i had everything i wanted and everything i needed my mom struggled a bit but you can always grow and regardless like i said of the the cards you don't so make the right choice and have a plan that's what we always say we make it a point to go back to madison and um, speak and other high schools and speak every year and that's the same thing I always say. And if I can reach one person and make their make them see that, hey, I don't need to do make this bad choice. Cause I always give the scenario of if when you got to school that morning, y'all all caught the school bus and your your, your friend skips class, then he shows up after school with a brand new Lexus. And you know he ain't got no money. No job. So why would you get in that car? Does it feel right? No, it doesn't feel right because it's probably a stolo. A few minutes later, it's probably going to be some red and blues behind you. And now you have to deal with whatever charge. And you're probably going to run because that's the thing to do, right? Now you got another charge. So it all starts with making a decision. So make the right choice and have a plan.
I think that's a perfect way to wrap it up. But before we go, I want you to say your incredible mother's name. My mom is Carolyn Johnson. Miss Johnson, I look forward to meeting you one day because you produce a incredible young man. Yeah, she needs Thank to write you. a book. Yes. Hey, Mama, it's Holmes. <laughs> ATO listeners, till next time, take care of yourself and keep listening. God bless. Hey, brother, hey, sister, I'll never give up on you. Hey, Mrs. Hey, mister, I'll see this all the way through. sun and the moon I'll never give up on you Down when you're lonely I'll pull you up Life leaves you heavy when the going gets tough I'll be your shoulder Together we'll run up from the bottom Hey brother, hey sister, I'll never give up on you Hey missus, hey mister, I'll see this all the way through No matter how far the sun and the moon I'll never give up on you.